Please turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Everybody awake this morning? Uh, I, could not, I could not be set up in a better position to preach what I'm about to preach this morning with the music that, that's been preached because uh, you can feel the spirit of the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen? You really can. Two weeks ago, we started a sermon series that was inspired from a comment I've seen over and over and over and over and over again throughout 20 years in full-time ministry. And this is the, the comment. Preachers don't preach like they used to. John Tomerlin, you ever heard that before? Preachers just, and they do this right here, preachers just don't preach like they used to. Then they'll say, well, very few preach the truth anymore. That's how they'll finish it up. We first looked at the truth about God as we started this sermon series, and his, his eternal, that we learned that he is eternal with no beginning or end, that, that he is patient, yet he has standards and boundaries for, for those that he has called man. We, we learned that his love, God's love for us is not understandable to us, and his mercy seems limitless to those who seek him. Last week, we learned that, that we could see the truth about who Jesus is in every single book in the Bible. Every book, every single book, we can see the truth about who Jesus is. We saw that Jesus is a type and a picture of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. We saw the wickedness that was in Noah's world is still in the world that we live. Are y'all shocked to hear about that? There's still evil in this world. Prevalent evil. You don't have to look far. You don't have to look deep. You, don't have, you can just about close your eyes and sense and see the evil that's alive in this world. We learned last week that just as the ark was the only way men could be saved, the only way that we can be saved today is through Jesus. Amen. God's only son who came to save the world today. He is the only way man can find salvation. So, two weeks ago, we learned the truth about God. Last week, we learned the truth about the Son of God. Where do y'all think we're going this morning? This morning, we're going to be dealing with the truth about the Holy Spirit of God. Y'all pray for me. P pray for me. The truth about the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's many places that I, I could have started reading, but I thought it was, you know, important that we go straight to where y'all y'all know the most popular or the prevalent verse about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 8. Acts chapter 1, excuse me, we're going to start in verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. <coughs> Luke records this, he says, <clears throat> While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Father's promise. Now, we know that as we studied the, the walk to Emmaus some time ago, that there were some, even though Jesus said, wait for us here, they didn't wait. Uh, why are Christians so hard-headed? Why, why don't we listen? I mean, they, Griffin, they weren't listening to Jesus. He says, wait, wait here in Jerusalem. For the Father's promise. He says, this he said is, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, 
but you will be emphatic. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel? That was their, that was their main concern. Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Are, is it going to be now? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the period that the Father has set by his own authority, but you, you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Was that a speculative term? When? No, that's a definite, that's an emphatic term. It, it doesn't, you know, it's not hit or miss. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Right. Amen? Amen? It's not pick or choose. It's not, well, I, I think I'll choose this one. No, 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 I'm going to choose this one. That's not what happened at all. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, oh, uh, here's another emphatic. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Understand something, Christian. Listen, if you've taken on the name Jesus like Nicole is going to take on the name Waddell next weekend. If you have taken on the name of Jesus, you are a witness for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The question you need to ask yourself, and it's you know, residing within you, is what kind of witness are you? If you claim Jesus, you're a witness. How's your witnessing? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you, Lord, begging you to forgive us. Lord, we pray that you would be with us right now. You would be in this auditorium, this sanctuary, God. Help us to feel you. God, we are talking about your essence, your spirit this morning. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would reign. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to see what Scripture says about your spirit. Be with us right now this morning, Lord. Let us glorify your name. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. This morning I want to tell you that what I'm about to preach is a very, very, I'm going to add one more, it's not in my notes, very controversial in the realm of Christianity. It always has been, and I foresee that it always will be until Jesus comes and opens our eyes to his complete and total truth. Amen. It's controversy. It's controversial. Now, why am I going to teach you, to you this? What I'm going to teach to you this morning that you, you may not agree with, but I encourage you to listen very carefully. And if you have questions I, after the service, I'll do my very best to, to answer them for you. You can come down here, and, and after the service is over, if you've got questions, you, you, you can talk to my assistant, my wife right here. She'll, she'll help you out because she knows, she knows better than I do. She really does. Did you hear that, honey? She does. That's a, that's a, she's brilliant. Today's the 26th. Write that in your Bible. As I approach this topic, I, I think it's very important. Before we jump headstrong into it, 
that, that we learn something. Now, I, I brought my phone up here. I don't usually do this, but I wanted to read this. Uh, this came out after I finished the message, so I wanted to read this perfectly. Listen to this quote. The Holy Spirit does not add new information about Jesus. Listen to that again. The Holy Spirit does not add new information about Jesus. He simply opens our eyes to see who Jesus really is. Amen? There's some things we need to agree with before I can move any further. Okay? And we can agree with them. They're easy. There, there's one that's a little tricky, it's a little hard, but we, I think we can agree on it. It's good that Christians agree on things, amen? That we're unified, and that's what I want us to do before we move further into this topic, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Everybody ready? Everybody awake? All right, here we go. Number one, the Word of God is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This is the truth of God's Word. From the maps, hey, listen, from the black page at the front to the black page at the back, this is the true Word of God. Amen. Amen. Can we agree on that? Everybody raise your right hand. Can we agree? This is the Word of God, and it's the truth. Brother Frank, you teach that on Sunday morning, every Sunday, don't you, brother? It's the truth. Number two, number two, here we go. Satan's number one job concerning the church is to cause as much confusion and division that when the world looks at us, the church, we look like lunatics. And I listen, I'm crazy about Jesus, but I ain't crazy. But Satan's job is to make the church look like raving lunatics. And he does a good job. And listen to me, we help him a lot sometimes, sometimes too much. This familiar scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, your adversary, that means you, your adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Understand this, Satan hates the church. Amen. He hates the church. Agree? Satan hates the church. He hates Christians, and he hates the Word of God. His desire is to destroy the church and Christians alike. We can all agree on this, right? That's what he wants. Now, think with me. If Satan, listen, listen this is easy. This is like one plus one without the new math theories. And, okay, one plus, it's two, right? This is easy. If Satan's hatred for God is so intense and his hatred for the church is so deep, then you have to know that he's going to do everything he can to destroy what God created and what God loves, right? Satan wants to destroy what God created and what God loves. Miss Barbara, he does. That's what he's wanting to do. He hates us. Now, that is exactly what he has done since the Garden of Eden. He has and will continue to cause destruction, division, and confusion in the church until he is finally thrown into the pit and locked away forever. He wants to discredit the church. He wants people, when they drive by this church, to see all the cars and say, golly, there's a bunch of crazy people. There are a bunch of raving lunatics in that church. That's what Satan wants the world to think he's done a good job and once again let me tell you 
We've helped him quite a bit. We have. We've helped him quite a bit. Number three that we need to agree on. Here we go. Y'all ready? We need to agree on this. God is a God of order. Can we agree on that? God is a God of order. We can look at creation again and see how God had planned everything out in order. <coughs> we can look at the laws of, of Exodus and Leviticus and see the absolute complexities of how God, the God is, is a God of order and organization. He spells out the great in great detail what is allowed and what's not allowed to, 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 to man that we can't even deny it. Now, man can say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, yeah, you can say that, but you cannot say that God did not say these things because it's, because it's written in his word. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says this. God, now listen, y'all got to get this, okay? You need to get this. Y'all with me? 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says this. It says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. Now, so with that understanding, can we easily say that if God is a part of anything, it is orderly? Can we say that? If God is a part of anything, it has order and it's orderly. Can we, can we acknowledge that? I mean, that's easy, right? Lee, you got that, right? Peacefully. And he will not cause confusion or division in the church. God won't do that. This is his bride. He wants peace and order. Now, the reason we ain't got peace and order in a lot of churches is because man's here. We're going to deal with him next. But understand, look at the bride. Close your eyes. Look at the bride, the church, God's crown jewel. He wants peace and order in his bride. You think about that from a, you know, a married perspective. I want my wife happy. Amen? Because when she ain't happy, it spills over into my life, Dan. Y'all know, know that phrase, happy wife. Y'all got that down. <laughs> God wants the bride to be happy. We are the bride. So that he wants order and not chaos. Amen? We can all agree on that, all right? All right, let me move forward. Now, oh, here we go. <clears throat> Last thing we need to agree on. Last thing. Maggie, you, you with me? I'm making sure Trey stays awake. All right, here we go. Now let's look at man for a second. Man has always thought they knew better than God knows himself. No, oh me. Man has always thought that he knows better than even God himself. We, we can look at the, the, the book that is considered by many to have been the first book ever written in the Bible and see the actions of man and, and see ourselves today, and that's the book of Job. Job, Job had it bad. I can't imagine. 
when, when Job's friends showed up on the scene, he was sitting by a fire that was probably dwindling down, had a piece of pottery in his hand, and was scraping the oozing sores trying to get some relief and probably picking up ash to put on the sores to try and dry it out. His children were gone. His, 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 his wealth was gone. His, his family was, I mean, they were gone. God left him with a wonderful wife. They gave him some great in, instruction. Why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? That's such a blessing. Wives, take, take, take notice of that. Y'all don't, don't be hateful like that. All of you got it in you, I know, but just don't do it. Be nice. Why don't you, can you curse God and die? But then we, look at, then we look at the conversation that's taking place with Job's friends, with Job's five friends. I mean, four of them were a counter, his counterparts, and, and one of them was a young man who was kind of being indoctrinated into the fold and, and bringing, brought, he was, you could call it discipleship training. And they gave him all kind of advice. Listen, Job, you've sinned and you need to repent and ask God. He says, I haven't though. I haven't. He says, listen, it, it must have been something, something you've overlooked. You did something for God to cause all this to happen in, in your life, man. This is all on you. This is all on you, Job. And finally, God broke his silence and says, who are you? Who are you? Were you there when I carved out the oceans? When I created the continents? When I breathed life into man? Who, who are you? Sit down, man. Sit yourself down. Who are you? Be quiet. Be silent. That's what he says to man. Man has always tried to elevate himself above each other and to position where God never approved man to be. They're still doing it today. You, you, you can go to downtown. You don't have to go far. You can walk up to, to, to the Apostle Steve Purdue somewhere in Savannah. There's only one problem with that. That person's never seen Jesus face to face. Jesus has to appoint the apostle. Every apostle that's in the Bible, Jesus appointed. They didn't go to a website and pay $100 and get their apostleship. You hear me? Man has always tried to elevate himself above everybody. Listen, if you could just reach the spirituality that I've reached. I encountered it when I was in school, and if you were a preacher and you went to school, I guarantee you would encounter it as well. You're not there very long, and they'll walk up to you and say, listen, are you a Calvinist? Do what? Are you a Calvinist? Well, no, I, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I know you're a Christian. You're here. You're a preacher. Boy, I understand. He said, but are you a Calvinist? It's like, uh, well, 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us not to tag our toe with anything but Jesus. So that's what I'm going to hang with, okay? It's everywhere. We try to elevate ourselves to a certain position that God never wanted us to be. Church, man adorns himself with a cloak and titles to make himself look, look so holy and to make others admire his holiness and godliness. And, uh, and those who lift themselves to this level look down on those who have not reached their, their, their level of what they call holiness and righteousness. 
Church, man distorts the Word of God to make himself look and feel like God when Scripture teaches us the closer man gets to God, the more they see their wickedness. The closer I get to God, the more I pray, the more I study, the more I read His Word, the more I understand the heart of God, the more I reach for Him, the more I understand how wicked and evil I really am. Not holy and righteous. Woo, look at me. No, it's like, oh me. Oh me. It's not about God's righteousness. It's about their righteousness. Church, man elevates himself to places he does not belong. Can we agree to that? Well, we do. If you can just, if you, if you can just, you know, pray a little harder. Study a little more. Do 10 devotions instead of three. If you can just do this, this is the phrase. Here's the phrase. Here's the kick phrase. You ready? If you'll just have a little more faith. If you'll have just a little more faith, something amazing will happen. Listen to me, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to all that. We, hey, listen, we can always pray more, amen? We can always study the Bible more, amen? We can always reach for God more, hey, and I, I'm not opposed to that at all. But what you get is what God gives you. And it's, it's amazing to me, Kirsten, this is crazy. The, the plan that I had mapped out before me when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior on January of 1989 in the mountains of North Carolina, I, the plans that I set before God, you know, he's like, nah, I don't think we're going to go with that. You're going to go this way, not that way. Well, God, I have this spiritual gift of this, this, and this. He said, well, yeah, that's good, and I'm going to use that to the best of my abilities, but I'm going to show you something different. You know how you don't like to stand in front of people and you really don't like to read and you don't like to talk in front of people? Yeah, I'm going to make you a preacher. <laughs> you see, that's God. That, that's God. That's not man. For me to stand here and do this is a miracle from God. Now, <clears throat> we've looked at some things that we need to agree with. Whew, Lord, help me. Here we go. What is the truth about the Holy Spirit? What is the truth about the Holy Spirit? Number one, please y'all get this. Please get this. He is a he and not an it. I've heard people say, oh, the Holy Spirit, it is just unbelievable. No, no, it, he. He. He's a person. He's a he. Just as God is God, Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Now understand, he is the third part of the Holy Trinity. Where it does not make sense, it makes perfect sense to God that all three persons of the Godhead are all one and the same. Now listen, listen. The three Godheads are completely separate, but can never be separated in any way. They are one. Everybody agree? They are one. This means that they are all three at all times in complete agreement with each other. Oh, here we go. Pay attention. They all agree with each other, Brother Frank. 
They don't have to have a committee meeting. They don't have to form a committee. They don't have to sit down and think. They don't have to have a business meeting, Deborah. They don't. They agree with each other 100%. We understand that, right? That's scriptural. Now think with me here for a second. If God is not a God of disorder but of peace, we, we learned that. We saw it in scripture. If God is not a God of disorder but a God of peace, then so is Christ Jesus and so is the Holy Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is a God, or is, is the essence of God, and he is not about disorder, but of peace. Number two, he's a he, number two. The Holy Spirit has always been just as God has always been. We can look all the way back, just as we did with Jesus in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, where it says, uh, since man has become like us. Who is us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he is a he, and he has always been. Wake up, it's getting ready to get good. Three, what is the actual job of the Holy Spirit? What does he do according to Scripture? Now, what did we say about Scripture a few minutes ago? This is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So what is the job of the Holy Spirit? Now, y'all, this, this is what just... Uh, if I had a chalkboard up here and, and, you know, like the first day of school, the teacher would come in and say, okay, tell me what everybody did for summer vacation. I'm going to write it on the board. Sally, tell me. What is it, what, what, everybody's going gonna to fill up the board, right? If I did that this morning and I said, okay, tell me the function and the job of the Holy Spirit, it'd fill up, but some of it would come from tradition of man and not scriptural truth. Some of it that you would say, and I'd write on the board, I'd write it on the board, but un understand this. You've gotten this in your mind because man has told you the Holy Spirit does something the Holy Spirit don't do. Okay? And that's what we need to be careful of. That's what we need to, to understand and be aware of. Because listen, I, God could care less what your opinion is. His word stands, Amen. So we need to know what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit's job. Now, I'm going to move quick here. If y'all want a copy of this, I'll get you a copy. What's his job? Number one, to convict us of sin. He convicts of sin. That's John 16, verse 7 and 8. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. How do you know that you're a sinner? The Holy Spirit tells you. How, how do you know that you're lost? The Holy Spirit tells you. How, how do you know that you're missing out on something that God has prepared for you, the Holy Spirit tells you? How do you know that what you've done is wrong, Holy Spirit tells you? Uh, listen, the Holy Spirit still tells you after you get saved, and if he ain't telling you, something's wrong. Okay? So, number one, the Holy Spirit convicts, seen in, in John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. Number two, he is a helper who teaches and reminds, seen in John 14, 26. He helps you. I don't know about you, Lynn, I need help. I do. This past week, I really needed help. I needed help. I, I mean, help! 
I mean, the kind of help where, I mean, you out in a boat in the middle of the ocean, you see somebody passing about 30, 30, you know, about, you know, 300 yards away, and you stand up there in the front of the boat with a, a, a rag in you, and you just, rag, just throw it in there. I need help. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Call out to your helper. He'll help you. I'm telling you. He teaches and reminds us of things we need to understand and to know. You, you know how when you're, you're having a bad day, Cynthia, and, and you're just like, man, you know, God, you know, I, need a, I need a verse. I need some scripture. And automatically, I mean, the Holy Spirit just brings that scripture to your mind to ease your soul. That, that's who the Holy Spirit is. But there's something else he does. He dwells in believers and fills us. Now, it might be different in your life, but every time I've gotten close to the Holy Spirit, or really the Holy Spirit's gotten close to me, I cry. I do. I'll never in my life forget when I came back from Nicaragua on a mission trip, and I knew God was dealing me to, to go into full-time ministry, and we went to, to church that Sunday morning, and, and, and Amy would ask me about, and she was inquisitive, and honey, I, if I didn't apologize before, I apologize now. It, I, was a, I was a wreck. I was a mess. Uh, she'd ask me about different aspects of, of, of the, the mission trip that we took, and I'd try and start talking to Jim. I'd just start crying. Start crying. David, we went to church, and I thought, okay, God, I need to get back. I need to get into church. I, oh, my God, I, I can't wait to get there. I got there, and we started singing praise music, and I started singing. Colin, I'm telling you, all I could do was bawl, cry. Cry. I, I remember one of the songs, I can't remember exactly what, but it was singing about the blood of Jesus. It was a hymn. And I just sat there and just, I, mean, I just, just lost it. That's how the Holy Spirit works with me. Every single time I get close to, he gets close to me, that, that's, what, that's what happens. Number four, he is the source of revelation, wisdom, and power seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. So anytime that we see a revelation, we, we, we just need to understand what's taking place. The Holy Spirit's opening our eyes. You know, you know what the catchphrase seems to be for the 2020s? Wake up. They need to wake up. Went to the hockey game last night. I, I don't know how many of y'all know about, about hockey, but the other team we were playing, we won. But they, they were just nailing our goalie, just nailing. I mean, they had more shots. They had double shots on goals than we had. And he, they come down the ice one time, Bob, and they're just charging. One man against, uh, uh, I don't know, it was almost an empty net. And Amy said, you better wake up. I'm thinking, she didn't know nothing about hockey until this year. <laughs> and I know better than tell her to calm down. <clears throat> Church, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wakes us up. He opens our eyes through revelation, through things that are taking place in the world. Number five, he guides us to truth and wisdom of all things that are to come, seen in John chapter 16, verse 13 and 15. We, we know what's coming. The Holy Spirit prepares us for what's coming. Amen? And I want to caution you as we get closer to the Lord's return and we see the signs in Matthew, and Matthew 23 and 24 unfolding and take place. Listen, be that person that God's created you to be to point people to the truth. Do you hear me? Tell them to seek the, the Holy Spirit of God and, and ask him to give you the truth. It's right here in our word. He knows what's going to happen. 
Number six, he gives spiritual gifts to believers, seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. Now understand this. This is where people say, yeah, woo, he gives people spiritual gifts and powers. Woo, listen, the Holy Spirit's the same as God. He's about order and peace. Order and peace. When we understand this about God giving us gifts, he does. We need to understand in light of this, it's in order and it's in peace. We agreed on that earlier, remember? We're going to hit on it a little more here in a second. Number seven, he seals believers as believers. What does that mean? When you stand before Jesus, when you get to heaven, there's some people that are going to fall on their face, and that's what I envision myself doing because I, I'm a, I just cry when the Holy Spirit's around me. I can't imagine what it's going to be like standing before Jesus. There's some people who have lived a righteous life. They feel like they've lived a good, how many of you all heard that? I've lived a good life. I've been good to people. I give to people. I've got, I've got a relative who tells me that all the time. I give money to this and I give money to that. I'm a good person. They're going to stand before Jesus just as we're going to stand before Jesus because scripture says every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess. Everybody's going to heaven. Just a lot of them ain't staying. But those people are not going to be known by Christ because they don't have the seal of the Holy Spirit on them. Where's the seal? Is this the seal of revelation? No, this is the divine seal by the Holy Spirit of God. He is indwelling in you. And God will know you by that seal. Number eight, he helps in our weakness and intercedes for us. Praise God. Amen. That's seen in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. I'm going to move a little faster now. He makes believers new and grants us eternal life. He grants us eternal life. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. Number 10, he sanctifies and enables good fruit in our lives. Just because we call it good doesn't mean it's good. The Holy Spirit distinguishes whether it's good or not. Amen. There's a, lot, there's a lot of our fruits that we think are fruit, and we think, oh, it's so wonderful. It's going to be thrown up in the air just like in a threshing pole, and it's going to be lit, and it's going to turn to ash. But the Holy Spirit reveals the true fruit. Number 11, and the last on our list is this. He does not seek out glory, but points all who believe in Jesus that Jesus received the glory. And that's seen in John chapter 15, verse 26. The Holy Spirit of God is not about receiving any glory at all. None. None. He wants no accolades. He, he clearly wants to enable you and empower you to glorify Jesus in everything you say and everything that you do. That, that is his job. And he's fine with it. Now, church, the Holy Spirit would not ever, listen to me, the Holy Spirit would not ever give you a gift that caused division and, and, and confusion in the church that Jesus calls his bride. He would not. Now, let me say that again. 
for clarity. The Holy Spirit who empowers and gives people gifts, amen? We can all agree. It's seen in 1 Corinthians. The Holy Spirit would never, ever give you a gift that calls division or confusion in the church that Jesus calls his bride. He would never allow himself to fill a person with pride of having something that others didn't have. Never. We all have spiritual gifts that are given to us personally by the Holy Spirit of God for one reason. The reason you have a gift to do anything spiritually is to glorify God. To give glory to God and point all men to Jesus. Confusion and division do not glorify God. Do you hear me? Confusion and division and envy, we can add envy in there, do not glorify God they certainly do not point people to Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 26, and Paul says, how is it then, brothers, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language? Now, some of your old Bibles, your version, KJV says tongues, okay? Now, understand something here. If you go all the way back to Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, y'all with me? The people who were there who were present that day, Peter was preaching. He was preaching in his language, just as I'm preaching in English. Or some people would say I'm preaching in redneck, okay? I am preaching in English. And the people who were there, were, they were multinational. They were from everywhere. And this is the question they said. How is it that this man preaches in his language and I understand it in my language? So that would be like somebody in this congregation who was French. And I'm sitting here preaching in English. And somebody says, how in the world he's preaching in English and am I understanding it in French? We've had many people in our church throughout the years, especially who were in the military, who had, you know, that had Spanish backgrounds. It would be like me speaking English, and they're sitting there, and they're hearing it in Spanish. How, how, how is this happening? It's God. It's, it's God. It's, it's nothing that man's doing. Listen, man has tried to manufacture this, but he can't. He cannot. You know why? Because it's of God. It's not of man. When we try to move ahead of God, we always get ourselves in trouble. And it always causes confusion. And it always causes division in the bride of Christ, his church. 
But let's move on. He says this, all things must be done for edification. All things must be done for edification. That means that everything that should be done should be to glorify God. Can we all agree on that? A hundred percent. Verse 27 says this, If any person speaks in another language, there should be only... What does it say? Two, or at the most three, each in turn, and someone must interpret. But if there is no one, no interpreter, that person should keep silent in the church and speak, uh, speak to himself and to God. Well, we got a problem here. <clears throat> We've got a problem here. Who I absolutely love, love my grandma. You come and talk about Grandma Waddell, I'm gonna, we're gonna fight. Apart from Frances Morrow, Amy's grandmother, my grandmother was the most godly woman I've ever known. Ever known. She was a die in the wool Christian first, but she was a die in the wool Church of God. And every time I went to Grandma's house or wanted to visit Grandma, she says, baby, you come, because she lived 30 minutes from the beach, and I was all about the beach when I was growing up. She said, you can come to my house anytime. You come Wednesday, you come Thursday, you can come Friday, you can stay Saturday. But I want you to understand something, baby. Sunday morning, you're going to church. That's what a good Grandma does. Some of y'all take notes on that. So we'd go to church. And the strangest thing happened. According to Scripture, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, right? He does. He does. So if the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, I mean, giving us a gift. Here, Dan, I'm giving you a breath mint. Give that to Michelle. She might need it. <laughs> I, I just gave you that gift. Now, I didn't give it to you at the beginning of the service. I gave it to you at the appropriate time, Right? For illustration. I mean, I, ha I have, you know, some more in my pocket. Not some more, some more in my pocket. I gave you that gift. You didn't ask me for it. Nothing happened special. I just gave it to you. Understand when the Holy Spirit of God gives you something, He gives it to you in His time, in his, for, for His reason, at His appropriate time. You have no control over it. None. Now, the whole thing with, with tongues that, that I want you to understand, unknown tongues or broken tongues, is this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of order and peace. We all agreed on that from the very beginning. At the beginning of the service, the pastor would come up. I love Brother Roger. He's, I love him. Love him. We, we, we fellowship every time I'm around. Love him. Brother Roger would say, Grandma's preacher, he'd, he'd say, all right, congregation, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And they'd bow their heads, and over three-quarters of the congregation, when the pastor said, let us pray, they'd start speaking in an unknown tongue. You couldn't understand nothing, nothing that was taking place, nothing. God's not a God of disorder, or, or does he cause division? He's a God of order and peace. 
Now tell me something. If the Holy Spirit is the one who turns you on and you don't turn the Holy Spirit on, Bob, can you explain, can you stand up and explain to me how, what was it that, that turned the Holy Spirit on when the pastor said, let us pray? That, that's the magic button? No. No. This goes back to man. Man inflates himself. We want to be set high above the others. We want people to look at us with distinction. They want to see our cloak of righteousness. And this is the Holy Spirit saying, it's not about your righteousness. I'm pointing you to do Jesus. Get yourself out of this equation. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's never been about you. It's been about Jesus. Here's the sad truth, y'all. I'm telling you, my grandmother was a godly woman. We were at my sister's, my sister's uh, wedding. I'll never forget it in all my life. <coughs> Shortly after I'd been saved, I hadn't been saved more than three years. And we're sitting there, and my grandmother, we're, we're, she looks at me, and she says, Oh, baby, she said, I hope Jesus doesn't come. And I said, why? Now, my sister, I mean, there was a full band at her reception that had an open bar uh, there, and she says, Because he'll leave us. He'll leave us. Jesus will leave us. Oh, my. Ooh, you know, we don't need to be here. She loved Jesus. There was one time, I, I, and she went to this you know, the church of God her whole life. She and I sat down one time. Y'all should see her Bible. I wish I had her Bible. Oh, I wish I had her Bible. We sat down one time after we had gone to church, and I said, Grandma, I've never seen you speak in tongues. Why, didn't you, why haven't you spoken in tongues? And she says, God's never given me that gift. You mean to tell me? I mean, I know some of them people in there. I, I mean, I'm related to some of those people in there. And you telling me my grandmother who, who, who I mean, godly woman... She didn't get the gift, but Rufus did, and he's on his fourth wife? You, you mean to tell me my grandmother, my grandmother didn't, did, she doesn't have the gift? But Cooter just got out of jail, and now he's on the front row, and he's got the gift? You see, my grandmother sought God for this gift, and God never gave it to her. She, she wanted to be there, but she said, I'm not going to manipulate the Holy Spirit of God. I, I'm not going to do something to, 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 to make me feel elevated. Not going to do. It's not, not, not going to happen. Here's another sad truth. I worked at the Charlotte Pipe and Foundry, and there was a, a relief man named Robert who worked with me. He would come by and relieve us, you know, all of our positions so we could take a break. And he and I got talking about Jesus one night, and, and you know, I, I was singing, and he started singing with me. Man, Steve, we were having a good time. I said, Robert, I said, are you saved? He said, well, I'm not sure. I said, what, man, Robert, what do you mean you're not sure? He said, well, I, I've prayed to receive Jesus as my personal Savior, and I have faith that Jesus was the Son of God, that, that God raised him from the dead. I said, well, brother, scripturally, that's, that's all you need. You're saved. And he said, well, I haven't received the, the, the gift of speaking in tongues. And they say, I'm not saved until I get that. Why would you teach that? How can you teach that? 
When Scripture says that all we have to do is have faith in Jesus, to confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Scripture, listen, God doesn't care what you believe. Your man-made, brought-up traditions that doesn't glorify God or Jesus. Jesus said, that's all you have to do to be saved. Well, Brother Kyle, I'm not sure. This, this, this church teaches me this. And I said, well, look, let me show you what the Word of God says. It's dangerous to put stipulations and additions to what God says is the truth. It's what I read from the very beginning. Can you imagine standing before Jesus one day and hearing those words come out of your mouth? Church, we now know the scriptural truth of who the Holy Spirit is. And what his main objective is in the lives of all believers today. To point people to Jesus, not ourselves. Listen, I'm a wicked, cracked piece of pottery. The more I learn about me, the more I don't even like me. There's nothing I want to do to elevate myself. I can't. When I get close to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gets close to me, all I can do is cry. I don't want to do anything else. I just want to ball up in a fetal position under my desk and suck my thumb and just cry. Listen, listen to this question. Can you hear him when he speaks to you? Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I want to get quiet. I don't want to get loud. Tashonda, I want to hear. I don't need to speak. You, you know, have you ever been in the presence of somebody that is just brilliant? Brilliant. And when they speak, you just sit there and you soak it all in. You don't want to say a word. You don't want to interrupt. You don't want to miss something that they're speaking to you. Can you hear the Holy Spirit? As he talks to you, will you be obedient to what he wants to do in your life right now? Will you allow him to show you who you really are in the sight of God? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we come to you asking forgiveness for our sins. Rightly so, Lord. We're in sinners in need of, of you, Lord, every single day, every single hour, every single second of our lives. We need you. So, Lord, right now I pray that you would move during this time of invitation, that we'd feel your presence. I pray that you would do business in this congregation that only you can do. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and just spend some time at the altar? Will you come?